I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, and welcome back to the Psych Legal Pop podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about popular culture through the lens of an attorney and a therapist. I'm Brooke Brigham, and I'm an attorney. And I'm Tess Brigham. I'm the therapist. So today we're going to be talking about a documentary on Peacock, and it's called Menendez and Menudo, Boys Betrayed. We were saying it wrong before. (laughs) Yeah. What I said on the last... Episode was wrong. Yes, you were saying know. like you were saying. I was saying Menendez to Menudo because I heard someone else say it. Yeah, that that was the title. Yeah, but, but you know what? I have to say, Menendez to Menudo is actually a better it's title. It's a better than title. This. It is. Yes, it is. So I just want to start out by saying that this documentary is all about child abuse. Yes, child sexual abuse. So if that's something that bothers you you don't want to hear about it you really shouldn't listen any further and you shouldn't watch the documentary you should not watch the documentary because we're going to be toning it down um the documentary is very graphic and um it's very very difficult and depressing and sad and so if that's something that you think is going to upset you then don't listen yeah it's okay don't definitely first don't watch the documentary yeah and then Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe, like us. You're right. We'll and see then, you on the next. We'll see you. The, we'll see, see you on for the sister wives. Yeah. Okay. So, having said that, this is about a connection between the Menendez brothers, Lyle and Eric Menendez, who you know we talked about last week. On the Thursday episode, we did a whole episode on the Menendez trial. Thank God we did. Yeah. Very important because that we did. Because this documentary got into it a little bit, but not a lot. So um, that was kind of a primer for this to kind of refresh our memories of, of what happened 30 years ago. Um, so there's a newly discovered connection between that murder case and the boy band Menudo. Mm-hmm. And as we said last week, um, Menudo is a band that was actually first founded in the 70s, in 1977, I believe, 
by this guy, um, uh, Edgardo Diaz. And what he would do is, so this started in Puerto Rico. He's Puerto Mm -hmm. Rican. And so he would recruit um, Puerto Rican young preteen from like maybe, what, 13, 12, 12, 13, 13, 14. Into this band, well, they weren't a band. They didn't play any instruments. <laughs> they, 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 they sang and they danced and they'd all dressed up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and alike. And um, and once they hit about sixteen, mm-hmm. they were out. Yes. And then he would just recruit new members. So it was like they were constantly having new members, new, new members and they're all very young and that's yes. very specific age group and he was able to his whole sort of thought process was well number one was there weren't enough boy bands at that time which was true a bit i mean there was you know the jackson five and i can't remember other there was the osmonds mm-hmm. and there were boy bands but there was never a latino latin right. boy band this was really really big for the latin community oh yeah they were huge huge in, huge in puerto rico and in Latin, in, in other Latin, Latin countries. And this was big in the Latin community for sure. So there was a lot of this pride in Menudo. But the other part of it, too, was I heard him say that he, why he was able to do this was that they wanted to keep this sort of young boy and this sound, right, of of keeping them this sort of like young sound oh so their voices so their voices not too deep not too anything but dun 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 there was another reason why he did it this way exactly and why he was able to get away with it yes so so there's a journalist who um appears throughout the documentary named robert rand and um when he he was covering the Menendez trial and he also uh, got a book deal to write about the trial and he said that when that all happened he he had a thought you know his first thought was that Jose must have a track record Mm -hmm. and he's not just a molester but he's a predator and you know when he said that I was like oh my god of course because people don't just uh, molest one time Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's, so, yeah, of course, he's done this before. He's so that was very astute. And Mm -hmm. so um, he so then the next the the next scene, Eric is calling him from prison and they talked a little bit about how his father, Jose Menendez, was obsessed with Menudo. Mm -hmm. And so Jose Menendez was the president of RCA Records, uh, towards the end of his career and um that's how minute that was minuto's first big record deal in the united states was with rca records so at some point they brought minuto into the mainstream they mm-hmm. kind of crossed over into the mainstream of um american music and they became they were like the beatles yeah these young girls were just going crazy over them, American mm-hmm. girls. I mean, I remember when Menudo came about. It was like the they their big time, and the 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 person that we're going to be following most of this um, most of this documentary 
is it Roy? Roy. Um, mm-hmm. I do remember him. I remember his face. Yes. And there was a height of Menudo, which was that 1982, 83 to like 85, 86, 87, mm-hmm. when they were really at their height. And that was mm-hmm. when Ricky Martin was in it, too. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that was when they were big. I mean, I was never a big fan of Menudo. I don't know if I even knew any of their songs, but they were on the cover of every Teeny Bopper yeah. magazine, every Teeny Bopper thing. And from what I remember when I was a kid, like this was when we were young in the 80s, there weren't a lot of boy bands. Like there really wasn't. It was a lot of single acts. Like there was Duran Duran. Mm-hmm. There were they were rock But they groups. were men. Yes, they were, they were men. men. Yeah. You know, there were and again like the Jackson 5 and all that was the 70s mm-hmm. but in the 80s it was it were there were groups there was like or just like Madonna yeah or... there was like Prince Madonna Michael Jackson yeah. you know or there were groups like I'm trying to why can't I think beyond Duran Duran what were some of the big popular groups of the 80s that um, came about well like the Go-Go's the Go-Go's but like male groups male groups um well, I, I mean, there was like uh, there were like Ario Speedwagon. Yeah, but, I mean, but there the, were all the hair metal bands, the metal bands. But the, yeah, they were no, they were all grown men. Yeah, so Menudo was very different. It was like young, yeah. like our age, our own age, young boys, and so it, that was very different than what now I think when what we've seen with New Kids on the Block and with NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, I think that that all of that was much different and that Mm. all came much later much later much much later yeah so this was very groundbreaking it was groundbreaking it was yeah you were more into menudo than i was i was a little bit you were a little old i was a little older i was a little like i was moving on oh yeah we had like new edition right with bobby Bobby Brown. brown that was another one yeah but yeah menudo Okay, I remember that there was like Menudo Dice. What does Medice mean? Dice mean? I don't even know what that. That was like the one line I think I know. But 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 some of and most of their songs were they were all in, in Spanish? They're part Spanish, part English. Okay. So that was also part of it. But yeah, they they hit all the big shows and they were cute and young. But yeah, it was that kind of teeny bopper thing, right? Yeah. So Robert Rand, you know, he has this suspicion, yes. you know, that there's something else going on here. So he. He gets the assistant of a journalist. Her name is Neri. Yes. I, can't, I don't even know how to pronounce her last name. Oh, it's I like wrote it Y-N-C-L-A-N. down. Y-N-C-L-A-N. I'm not really sure. But she's a journalist who's very skilled in talking to victims of sexual abuse. Because victims of sexual abuse, like... At some point, someone in this documentary said, usually take it to their grave. Yes. And if they do tell somebody, it's got to be, you know, very, very trusted person. It's not something people are just going to open up about with a journalist or anybody for that matter. Mm-hmm. So I forget how they, how did he come in contact with Roy Rossello? How did they make contact with him? Um... That's a good question. Because Roy Rossello, he's the main character in this documentary. And he was in Menudo from the time he was, you know, what, 13, 14? Until, I don't... Until he, that is a good question. I don't know if they ever say... Because she, this says that she... What My note says that she started talking to... Um, uh, 
that there was a series that came out in 2020 um, where Neri, oh, a documentary about the man, about, about Menudo, Menudo and the child abuse and about the child abuse, because as we'll learn throughout the documentary that there have been rumblings for a lot of years that yeah. people had brought this up, that there were rumblings that much like what we've seen with Jeffrey Epstein, Harvey Weinstein, all of these people that, you know, rumblings have been happening, but because they buy the media, because they're very powerful, that things get shut down. But there was a series that came out in 2020 and that um, Neary, uh, she was new to TV in Miami and um, wait, that she's Cuban. Nah, 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 nah. Well, I have here that she, Rand actually went to Puerto Rico to interview people about Diaz. And, and that no one would open up to him. Well, you know, he said that oh. um, the people he talked to wouldn't go but, on record. <laughs> no, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let me finish my <laughs> sentence. He said that the people he talked to all said that Diaz was a pedophile who molested no. multiple members of Menudo as well as the boys auditioning. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. So I don't know how they hooked up with this guy, Roy Rossello. But anyway, uh-huh. Roy Rossello, who had been in Menudo, um, he, he was living in Brazil and he had not been... Um, his family was in Florida. He had not been back to Florida in like 10 years. And so he um, comes back to uh, to Florida and, you know, sees his, his brother and his um, mom for the first time in 10 years. So he tells us his story that... Um, when he joined, he joined Menudo at 13 and he said it was the worst thing that ever happened to him. Mm. Um, and he went to music school down the street from Diaz's uh, music company where Menudo was headquartered. And I can't, I think this was when they were still in Puerto Rico. Yeah, they were living in, he said they grew up in Roosevelt in Hato Rey, Puerto Rico. He said he had a great childhood. Up until this point. Yeah. Loved to play sports, played soccer, but, and that he liked to sing and dance. And there's the studio, and that his mom, you know, like, liked, wanted you know, him wanted to him to do lessons. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, and then Diaz actually spotted him. He didn't even audition for the band. Yeah. Diaz spotted him and told him how beautiful he was and that he could be a star. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Diaz made him a lot of promises, made his family a lot of promises. Now, this is a running thread. Yes. And that these boys are come from families that don't have a lot of money. And, you know, they're immigrants um, a, a lot of times, uh, you know. And so he tells them, you know, I'm going to buy your family a car Mm -hmm. you know i'm gonna you're gonna you're gonna live in this in a nicer house you're gonna get this you're gonna get money and then that traps them yeah because then they think well you know i can't leave this guy because what is my family gonna do yeah and everyone's so proud of them because they're in menudo yes the biggest um uh you know the biggest group and then of course he doesn't let the parents come on tour with them yes he he actually forbids it and you know this is why people this is why our generation we always get criticized for being helicopter parents or whatever you want to call us but this is why Mm -hmm. this is why this shit happens if you don't watch your kids i remember like 
when my daughter first started having like sleepovers and there were some parents who basically didn't allow their kids to have sleepovers Mm -hmm. at all. And I remember when I first started hearing that, I thought, well, that's a little much. But then after a while, I started thinking, you know what? They're right. Mm -hmm. Because you don't know what you think you might know somebody yeah. You don't know. You don't know who could possibly come into that house. Or, yeah, it's very scary. You yeah. Know, that things like this do happen. Yeah. Well, and essentially, I I didn't write it down, but but basically, Ed, Ed, Edgardo, I kept writing Eduardo and other names for this guy. I mean, he's a pig, so I don't really care. Most of them Diaz. Diaz. Um, but essentially... Um, molests him the first first day that they're together right so there's such you know he's so scared there's such shame that when um diaz shows up to his house to sign this contract he can't tell his parents what's going on and he hides in the closet you know he hides in the closet he's afraid but he and he knows that you know he's scared out of his mind but he knows that I have to let my parents sign this contract. My our lives are going to change forever. Right. And it's you, you know, you have to think about this. This kid is 12, 13 years old. Yeah, he's 13. And he and the way he said it in the documentary, he's like that that was a day that I sold my soul. Like my mm-hmm. soul was gone. Yeah. Like it was over. It's so sad and really disgusting. Like Diaz took him to his house where uh-huh. his mother was living. Yes. And the mother knew what he was going to do mm-hmm. with with him because mm-hmm. the mom knows she, he's been doing this, you know, yes, for a long time. And um, <laughs> and then he yeah, he rapes him that night yeah. in his mother's house. And it's it was really awful. sad because he talks about like he loves performing. He said, when I was up on that stage, it was the best time. It was like, you know, being up there and performing and you see the, the images of him performing. And then it was like when the curtain came down, it was hell. Yeah, his face it was just over. Dropped. It was like dropped yeah. because at night he was sharing a room with Diaz. Yeah. And he knew that he was going to be assaulted. He was like three to four times a week. And um. And that was just, you know, and sometimes when he talked about just what it was like for him, and it sounds like just ever since he left Menudo, we kind of, the the story kind of goes back and forth and back and forth. And he talked about just being in Brazil and, you know, when he was, he moved to Brazil when he was 17 after he was out of Menudo, just Mm. talking about like, you know, just kind of wandering around going, can I throw myself in front of this car? Yeah, he tried you know? to kill himself multiple times. Yeah, like, oh, should I throw myself in front of this car? Should I take some drugs? Like, what kind of drugs can I take? Just, and he's now, what, in his 50s? I mean, just spending 30 years just, you know, how can I kill myself? How can I end my life? It's, yeah. It's truly, truly awful. Awful. Yeah, he, he, it really is. Um, and then he found God. Oh, that's right. I think that he he was in a tremendous amount of pain for many, many years. And I think then it was when he found God and he started to <clears> yeah, build his it, life back up. He made it his mission to try to help other people mm-hmm. um, who'd been abused so that they didn't feel as badly about themselves as, as he felt. And so at one point, so this is how it all kind of came to came to an end in Menudo. He, um, Roy caught Diaz with another member of Menudo and the boy was dressed up as a woman. Mm. And then Roy tried to kill himself and Diaz kicked him out of the band, which was the you know best thing that could have happened. But mm-hmm. he said he started using coke 
in Min- when he was still in Menudo and he just continued to numb the pain and then, yeah, moved to Brazil and, um, yeah, became an evangelical, realized it wasn't his, ha- wasn't his fault and he wanted to help others who'd been raped or sexually assaulted to show that there is hope. Mm-hmm. And that's his life's mission now. Mm. So thank God he's... All right, well, that's the first end of episode one. This is what we're talking about, people. Yeah. So if you're already really, triggered at this point... It's really hard. Again, it's it's a lot. It's 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 heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. <clears throat> yeah, and actually, so before Roy came on this trip to the United States, he had been talking with Neri, mm-hmm. the um, woman in Miami, the journalist... And um, it took him two years of them talking before he actually told her everything that had happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And not just with Diaz, but with Jose Menendez. Um, So like I said, Menendez was the president of RCA at the time. And um, Diaz was about to sign a $30 million record contract. And I guess part of the deal was that um, uh, Diaz was going to offer up Roy yeah. to Jose Menendez. Yes. Literally picked him up in a limo. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you he know. He tells the story later on. Oh. This is like a preview. Did you notice that this they did this? a preview to the next yeah, episode? Yeah. So th- what they would do is they would do these like little previews and then he does tell the story oh, okay. in more graphic detail later on in the episode. Yeah. I don't think we want to get too We don't, we don't need to, but that, I'm just saying with that. It. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, okay. So this is, this so is we, that. We'll go to episode two. We're at episode, episode two. two. It starts with, um, we meet Diane, who's the older cousin of Eric and Lyle. And her mom, which is Kitty's older sister. sister, yeah. And so we we learned, we saw Diane in, um, we learned about Diane because Diane uh, testified Mm -hmm. in the first trial of Eric and Lyle Menendez. Mm -hmm. So what Robert Rand, the journalist, talks about, and he briefly, which is what we talked about last uh, last time about the trial, is there were two trials for the Menendez brothers. The first one, which was the mistrial, which was um, the one where they really were able to introduce the abuse um, where they, I guess there were 50, what was it? There were 58 witnesses Mm -hmm. uh, for the boys describing the ways in which the boys reported the abuse, all the abuse that was happening, everything that was going on and how the second trial, there was absolutely nothing. And what was so, what's so important about this, um, about Roy and what Roy is saying is, is that in the second trial, the prosecutor's their big defense was their big thing was that this was a case of two quote unquote spoiled brats who wanted their parents money and that Jose was a kind, loving father and had never, ever, ever hurt or physically abused anyone before. Mm. So if they can bring in so he was a sexual predator exactly then that really diminishes and and breaks their whole case apart yeah and that's why roy and roy's testimony is so important um and so they're bringing in the i think that they're bringing in diane and kitty's sister to talk about sort of what the experience was like for lyle and um eric and i assume to kind of show sort of the parallels between roy and roy's experience Mm -hmm. and their experience Well, something i didn't realize until this documentary was that 
they lived with Jose and Kitty and the family. Mm-hmm. So Kitty's sister, what was her name? Jean? I forgot her name. I think it's like Jean or I don't know. Anyway, Kitty's sister and her daughter Diane lived with I guess for about a year they did. Yeah, they lived like in the same house and they described that every night it was the same routine. Yeah. They didn't know what was happening at the time, but every night um Jose would tell I guess it was Eric at this point. Um would tell Eric to go upstairs and mm-hmm. go to his room like right before dinner. Mm-hmm. And then Jose would go up there and then he would come back and he would say, oh, um, Eric's not feeling well. He's yeah. not going to have dinner. It was like, if you saw that happen every night for a year, you didn't think that, that there was something weird about that? Like, they're just now putting this all together? Yeah. It's like, okay. And I think she said she tried to talk to Kitty about it. But of mm-hmm. course, Kitty was just like, you know, whatever, buzz off. <laughs> She didn't care. Yeah. I really like this doctor they brought in, Dr. Rebecca Bailey, who said she was the psychologist. And she said, um, you know, what she was saying is, is that and this part's really important, which is I think it's so easy from an outsider to look in and say, you know, well, that's not how I would react or that's not how I would do it. And what she's really trying to say is it's, you know, you don't know how you would react. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you would do. And that that's what's so hard about all these things is everyone would react differently. Everyone would do different things. And um, so what um what she was saying is there's such this dependency variable Mm -hmm. that these people they have such power and control over you that you know she said what she was saying is is that this is what everyone was saying about the brothers and we were talking about this too last week which is you know here you are you've got two brothers you know they are they were what 18 and 21 at the time why didn't they just walk out the front door you know and what they were describing is it's and i maybe the journalist said this it was like a tunnel almost it wasn't so simple that the two of them could pack a bag right. and just walk out the front door that it was this giant tunnel well, they but, didn't have any money of their own but but even if they had even if they had money even mm-hmm. if they could go and get jobs that you have such these people have such control and it's talked about more you know it's there was a podcast that i you turned me onto it and i stopped listening to it um uh, where that one woman laura i forgot her last name where she talks about coercive control this is the thing oh, like yeah. the way the way pimps control do we even say pimps anymore um <laughs> The way we say sex workers are controlled by traffickers. Yeah. Right? The they are not controlled. I think we have this idea that they're controlled by like, oh, they give them drugs or they're controlled in some way, shape or form. They're controlled by years and years and years of Mm -hmm. coercive control Mm -hmm. of of, you know, um, traffickers don't just capture you and chain you somewhere Mm -hmm. sometimes they do but a lot of times it's um oh you're you know we're friends we have a connection we're in a relationship Mm -hmm. we're in a bond we're Mm -hmm. doing this we're doing that and that's what jose did to this family this is what this family unit is and i liked how they really got on there and tried to explain that while 
Roy hated Diaz, there was this, it was this control. Like, you, he needed to be in this band for his family. For money, yeah. For money. You're a performer. And also these other layers of, but what if people found out? Right. You know, what if the world knew? Or like, you stayed? Like, who are you? Maybe you are gay. Maybe you love it. Maybe, right? Yeah. And that's the part I think that's really important for people to understand is it's not so much like you can just pack your bags yeah and go. it's like why do women who are abused by their partners not leave it's the same thing it's this is all the you know yeah and that psychologist she also said um at a certain point you get to this point of just resignation yes yes of like this is just my life you know and you're you're kind of frozen and like eric was saying that he thought that he was protecting his mom mm-hmm. by not telling anyone. And that's what set them off is that he found out five days before the murder that she knew the whole time that she always knew. Mm-hmm. And he always felt that if he told her, her life would be in danger. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's what that's what why they kind of lost it there at the end because it was like are you kidding me Mm -hmm. you know they find lyle finds out this has been happening to eric the whole time and then Mm -hmm. they find out that their mom knew the whole time and did nothing about it yeah just you know exploded yeah so anyway um and then there was this whole story that i got a little confused about this guy where because this is where the documentary gets a little odd because then roy gets to the u.s Mm -hmm. and then the story becomes about Roy's quest to find people who knew, who could, who could, you know, corroborate his story. Uh-huh. And the first person he goes to see is this guy, Boliv- Boliviar, Aurel- Bol- Bolivar, Bolivar, Aurelio, Aurelio, Ano. Bolivar, we'll just call oh, him. So he was a kind of a protector. He was a photographer who um, took pictures of the boys when... Um, in uh and they were in the band in the band yeah. and then i guess he was a photographer and then he ended up taking so many pictures that he opened a store yeah. he was able to there was which it i love i was wa- merch his menudo <laughs> merch and i was watching all this stuff going i bet you anything those boys got zero oh, of all that totally. merch right yeah. there was so much merchandise and that apparently he had been hearing the rumors about the sexual abuse and he started to investigate it mm-hmm. and he was he you know, found out and he, but the thing was that he didn't really have any hard evidence. He just heard people's stories. Before that, can I just interject that they talked? So Eric says that he remembers the members. He remembers band people from Menudo Mm -hmm. coming to their house. Mm -hmm. And he said that Jose was involved in choosing members of the group. Oh, I'm sure he was. When they would rotate them. And he said, um, Diaz and Jose were close. Um, yes. He would fly all over the world to their concerts. So he, yes, he is a serial uh, pedophile, rapist, yes. predator, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. See, that's why I think this is my theory about this, this documentary is I think they want this. I mean, I don't know. That's why I thought this documentary was very strange was I wonder if they want this documentary to be something like, I don't know, not necessarily Tiger King or The Vow or something like this, but, you know, both of those, The Vow is a good example of something where they did The Vow and then Keith Raniere gets arrested. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they want it. 
I'm wondering if what they're wanting is oh, yeah. people, a they bunch wanna... of these Menuno members and all of these other boys that audition to kind of wake up and go, yeah. oh, wait a second. If there's a bunch of us and if we all get together, will there yeah. be something? Yeah, I, they, they definitely want to get the public's help, yes. you know, to put some pressure on. And at the very end of the documentary, the, so they interview Eric and Lyle's appellate attorney mm-hmm. a few times. And that at the end of it, he basically says, you know, this is very sensitive. It's very complicated. Mm -hmm. I can't really talk about, you know, what our plans are going forward. But kind of like, yeah, we have plans, you know, and kind of like stay tuned. Yeah. And it's true. Like if they're going to actually do it's called a writ of habeas corpus and um, where you have newly discovered evidence, um, so, yeah, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. It's a big mountain to climb. And so he didn't really want to talk yeah. about it. But, yeah, I hope that that's. Yes, that's what's, the hope. What's happening. <laughs> so yes, something's absolutely. In the works. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, so Boliviar goes on Carmen Jovat. Yeah. Which must it's be the big, Oprah. Yeah. Of, <laughs> the Oprah of Puerto Rico. Of Puerto Rico. Yeah. And this I got a little confused about because he made these accusations saying that Diaz, um, that Diaz was molesting uh, members of Menudo. Mm-hmm. And then I guess while he was on air, Diaz calls the police. Yeah. And then there's attorneys in the audience saying, well, you can't do this. Yeah, they tried to arrest him. They tried to arrest in him studio. in the studio. It became it became a whole thing. And then what happened was that what was this? It was so weird that apparently but then Bolivia Boliviar gets in trouble because Diaz has relationships with the papers. So he gets guilty of defamation and he has to pay two Puerto Rican papers and apologize to Diaz. Well, I mean, the defamation occurred on the TV show. Uh-huh. He was saying these things about Diaz. But yeah, because this this is how important this band was to Puerto Rico. Yeah. Like it, it was so important they had to protect Diaz at all costs, you know, because it's generating money, um, you know, for the people of Puerto Rico. And Diaz, I guess, controls the police. And yeah, they they give him a summons to go to the police station the next day, and then a judge declared he's guilty of defamation. Now, I don't understand. Uh, Puerto Rico is an American territory. I thought that they had similar, um, <laughs> like, law, justice system. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, I don't know. This what whole the, thing was so bizarre. The whole bizarre. thing was so weird. And then Roy's talking to him, and, and it was so odd. Roy's like, I don't know if Roy said this to him or if Roy was saying it to the camera. Roy's like, Oh yes, I I saw that. I couldn't help. I was was trying to think about ways to kill myself at that time. <laughs> You're just like, oh Roy. Yeah, he wasn't ready to. Roy uh, was in a deep, deep place. Come forward and say anything. And then you see, right? Then they go through this whole thing about all the people that tried to then pick up these stories about this woman, Miriam Solo Solomon, who published three in-depth articles about the abuse, but the fourth never got published, and how you know people didn't want to believe these stories, like that. You know, all the same stuff we've been talking about men didn't do that to boys you know who you know that they didn't want you know why would these boys want to be considered gay you know they wouldn't share that the media refused to believe that like all the same 
same thing, you know, um, all of those things over and over and over again. Well, and he said that, you know, after that whole thing with the police and whatever, he said that the boys in Menudo thanked him, but told him to stop. Yeah. Because they, again, yeah, they needed, they needed this gig. Yeah. You know, they didn't necessarily want it to stop. Um, but yeah, so then Roy asks, um, this is where Roy asks him if he'd be willing to testify against Diaz. And he says, yes, you know, he's supportive of of him when they finally meet up mm-hmm. in, the, in the U.S. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, and all, any journalists who tried to say anything negative were targeted. Yes. It was exactly what happened here. Right. The catch and kill. Yeah. All the stuff that happened here with Weinstein and Epstein and all the other stories that have come out in the last. And then there was, I guess, one of the members of Menudo, Ray, is it Ray Reyes? Um, He died. So they show us that funeral. But before that, don't they, um, are you on? Oh, we're still in episode two. Still in episode two. Because I have here that, um, Roy started talking about how he saw Lyle at the house when he yeah. went to the Menendez it's, house. It's very, and he saw Eric. Yeah, the, yeah this it's very strange. All over the place. It's very strange because he then talks again about going to the Menendez house, and then they really don't talk about what happens at that Menendez house until well, the third episode. Yeah. Well, yeah. He just sort of interjects here that he saw them at the house, and that. Uh, Jose gave him wine and then that's it and now that, we're back to the funeral that's all he yeah. remembers yeah. it is it's a very I mean and that's one of the things about the documentary that was very strange was like mm-hmm. now we're over here now right. we're over here it's a very jumpy jumpy documentary yeah okay so yeah Ray Reyes one of the members passes away he's very young you know like maybe he was 51 51 yeah, yeah. Ricky Martin was that Ricky Martin at the funeral they were all wearing masks yeah I it was couldn't COVID. tell and, and that was one of the things Ricky Martin's never come out publicly he's never and said anything about anything about what happened other. to him yeah okay yeah and so but then Roy goes over and talks to uh Ray Reyes's brother and I forgot the brother's Raul. Raul's first name he goes to and so it, is it that Ray was going to come forward to tell secrets. So I guess it's implied that something had happened to Ray. Mm. That Ray was also and molested. And Diaz has the nerve to come to the funeral. Oh, he comes to the funeral. And he's talking to the media like Ugh. nothing ever happened. And well, did you see that? What's it? Nary's right after him. She's chasing him all the way down to his car. <laughs> yeah. And I then know. he gets into a Honda. <laughs> You're like, shouldn't little... you be doing better than that? I saw that Menudo, <laughs> Menudo stuff being, being sold. Yeah. I was just like, this is, what a douche yeah and i guess raul was supposed to be in menudo but something happened a good thing he wasn't well i think roy took a spot i think that was the thing roy took a spot yeah because roy didn't even audition remember they just brought him in well no and um raul said well he was mad Mm -hmm. and then he said i think um Raul was saying then I think he late who was that him who said he later got in and that it was sort of this known thing that Roy and Diaz were together. And he said, but that doesn't make any sense. Roy's 13, 14 years old. How can he consent? He said that was that him or was that the studio musician? I don't know. I don't because there was that. there was some other things that were like it was I think the sense that I got was that when Roy was in the band, it was I get the sense that Roy was kind of a favorite. 
Roy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think Roy yeah. was definitely Yeah, and I guess favorite. Raul, I guess he, he, he was in the band, but finally, later on, traveling yeah. with the band, and he said... He accidentally, someone, he was looking for a suitcase and someone said, oh, it's in that room. Mm -hmm. And that was um, Diaz's room. And he said he opened the door and he saw Diaz and Roy naked in bed together. And And yes, that was it. And then he went on later on Carmen's show, you know, much Mm -hmm. many years later when people started accusing Diaz of things. He went on the Carmen show and told this story. Mm -hmm. And um, then... Ray told Raul, he said, you know, well, that's why I told you to forget about being part of Menudo. You you don't want to be, um, mm. you don't want to, you don't want to be in this band. Oh. Trust me, you know? So anyway, Roy was just, even to this day, he was so embarrassed talking about it with Raul, mm. you know, he just so, um, and they both talk about how they didn't really know if Ray was also sexually abused. Oh, so they don't know. Yeah. Okay. And Raul said he, that he would testify against Diaz. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So Roy's kind of going around, you know, um, gathering up witnesses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, and so now we've moved on to episode three, which is called Key Witness. And so after Boulevard, Boulevard breaks the scandal, then we see another person named Ralphie Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. He witnessed uh, Diaz with a young boy. Uh, he, and he says this on the Christina show. At the again. Christina show. But this is not Carmen's show. This is a different show, is it? Or is this oh, Carmen? That's okay. Yeah. I don't right. know. It's two and different people. He, he flat out says, like, this happened. And but again, no criminal charges. Um, and then this is when um, R- Roy goes to meet that session musician. Oh, Papo Gelli. Yeah, who eh, not a bad guy, but not the most tactful person in the world. I mean, I kind of felt like he said all this stuff when he was smiling. I was just like, can you stop smiling? Oh, so much talking about, about all, this all stuff? the like, abuse. Yeah, I was like, God, stop smiling. Oh, yeah, he said he said he was on to Diaz and he said he had. Talking about Diaz, he had the same taste and libido as a twelve-year-old girl. That's why he was. That's a why he was so successful with Menudo. And I'm like, well, you're not wrong. Yeah. But like, do you have to do it while you're smiling the whole time, or what? I don't know. You seem like a yeah. rational adult. Well, also, why couldn't you do something? He was an adult at the time. Yeah. He was a musician, you know, that backed up the group. And he's talking about how Diaz always had a boy in his bedroom while on tour. He mm-hmm. always shared a room with the youngest boy when it wasn't a money issue. He could afford a room. For for everybody mm-hmm. well hello why did you not say anything mm-hmm. that's what yeah gets me yeah that's why i was a little bit like i don't like you like your are you know I, I listen we don't know the circumstances of what was going on at the time but i was just a little bit like you could stop smiling be a little bit more contrite yeah he said diaz paid off any families who ever confronted yes him. yes um, and there was also, he wasn't just um, a child molester. He was also very verbally abusive. Mm-hmm. If a kid made a mistake, physically abusive. Physically abusive um, Roy tells a story of, I don't know if we want to get into all this. I don't know if you want to get into the time that Diaz was physically abusive to Roy when he made a mistake. Oh, yeah. I don't, we don't need to get need into to that. that. And then, um, so Robert Rand, the a journalist meets Roy and then Roy tells this that finally tells the story of what happened to him when he meets Menendez. Do we want to get into that? Um, you want to tell the broad strokes? Well, okay. So 
So they show some pictures of Menudo like posing with Jose after they signed this big $30 million contract. And um, Roy points to Jose and he says, this is the man who raped me. Um, and he said he met, he, he had met Menendez before the contract was signed. That was when they picked him up in a limo in New York and took him to the Menendez home when they were still living in New Jersey. And um, Diaz told him he was going to do something great for Menudo and for him. And Roy knew exactly what mm -hmm. was happening. You know, he knew exactly. And like we said previously, he went in the house, saw both of the sons, had this one glass of wine. And remember, he's 13. Um, gave him a glass of wine. I'm sure it was laced with something because he literally, after that, couldn't even walk up the stairs. Mm -hmm. He was he, uh, and then he said he woke up at a hotel. Yeah. Doesn't remember how I got <laughs> Doesn't there. Doesn't even remember anything. And he was, you know, uh, just in terrible pain. And then the contract was signed. Mm -hmm. um, and he said he was aware of the Menendez murders, but he's kind of lived with this desire for revenge on mm -hmm. Diaz, like all of his life. Yeah. Um, and this, you know, so then we, we go back to another, you know, incoming call from an <laughs> inmate at the whatever correctional facility. Um, so Eric calls Paul, the journalist, and um, Paul tells him about, you know, what's he, what he's uncovered. And Eric's reaction was he was very upset that mm -hmm. someone else, that yeah. there was someone else who was victimized and abused by his father. And, he, you know, he just said he feels horrible and sad to know that there are other victims and he would never wish this on another child. You know, he's nothing about how is this going to help me yeah. or how is this going to benefit me? I think he was probably just in shock. Like, yeah. Wow. You know, they they but they had to have some idea if this 13 year old boy comes to their house and then is carried upstairs. I mean, they were right there. I mean, I'm yeah. sure that happened more than once. With these Menudo kids? I don't know, but I just don't think they thought... I, I don't know. I think... Again, I think... I don't know. I don't know what they thought half the time. I think I think their brains are so traumatized. Yeah, I think they were just processing everything that was happening to them. Yeah. And not even really paying attention to the rest of the world. Yes, yes. Or thinking about it. Exactly. Huh. So, um... Oh, and then he also... Eric also said that he remembered Roy. He remembered meeting him. He he met a lot of the um, mm -hmm. Menudo members because he would go backstage and he said members in the group came to the house and they would cycle, yep. cycle it out. Mm -hmm. And he said Jose would help to choose the new members. Um, and he said that he would go into bedrooms with them mm. in their house under the guise of, I don't know, what they're auditioning. You know, putting together their audition tapes. Yeah, and then Eric said he didn't know he was just a kid. Yeah. And then we meet... Um, yeah, and then this is when Randy goes to San Francisco to meet Cliff Gardner about the appeals. Roy really wants... The, he's the, their appellate attorney. Mm -hmm. Roy really wants to talk to the Menendez brothers, but he can't because everything... They cannot talk to him because he could be a very vital witness. Right. Then we meet Ashley Ruiz, Ruiz who was 
part of Menudo in 91 to 95, which it's not the heyday so much. Sorry, Ashley. Um, <laughs> and he had heard about, he had heard, he had heard about Roy and uh, Diaz by that time. And um, I don't know why he was there. I think, again, he was there to sort of corroborate these stories of what he had heard about. And then we see the big moment where Roy goes to L.A. to file charges against Diaz, because when he was 14 years old, something happened to him um, at the when he snuck. When he was 14, he met a girl. He snuck out to the Mm -hmm. Biltmore. Diaz caught him and savagely beat him. Uh, raped him and he was tied up bruised bloody and so he filed on november 8th 2022 he filed criminal charges against diaz so um basically you know it's hard to know if roy's it's you know this is where we're at really Mm -hmm. he's filed these criminal charges i you know i'm assuming that this documentary is his hope is a couple different things i think one is the hope is that roy can get some other band members together and as many as he can to file more criminal charges and with the hope that they will file criminal charges against diaz Mm -hmm. and that he will be brought to justice um and the other hope would be that they can get more people and more and other people that were um, victims of Jose Menendez mm-hmm. together to help with the appeal of the Menendez brothers. I yeah, mean, that's, because, that's the other part of yeah, it. Yeah, because that's like what you said in the beginning, like the, the prosecution's theory was that, um, you know, Jose Menendez was a gentleman. Yes, he and know? Kitty were just, just lovely people. They were lovely people, upstanding citizens, never did anything wrong, never hurt anyone. Um, so all of this just blows that out of the water. Yes. And it gives, it gives them at least, at the very least, a shot, I would think, of, you know, uh, a reversal or like, or, you know, if they were retried, maybe they would get second degree. Because remember, they couldn't, they couldn't vote, the jury couldn't vote on manslaughter, voluntary manslaughter because of a change in the law. Ugh. So between, silly. between the two trials, which one, I'm, I mean, I'm assuming this has been up on appeal and, you know, mm-hmm. everyone's agreed with it, but who knows how it could be far fetched. But anyway, look, at least they've been in prison for 30 years. Yes. Like almost said, 30 years. 33 years. It's enough. It's, it's enough. It's time served. It's done. If you time just served. drop it to second degree um, with, you know, this this uh provocation and 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 they've been they've they've, been in there long enough and you know what they're in good standing they're part of this program did you hear him say they're they're in a special program and they're working with other people from abuse they're good model prisoners it's enough it's enough they're painting murals yes and they have like you know it's enough training support dogs yeah i don't know It's, it's enough it's enough. They've done enough. It's enough. And the fact that they're going to have to spend years and blah, 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 blah. I hate this justice system of ours. It takes too damn long. I just feel like, can't we just come on? This is a part about our system that drives me nutty. It's just how long all this takes. Yeah. It's a little bit of like, can't we just get this Ray guy to come? Should tell a story, show the story, get a few more people together, have them come in front of a judge. Isn't that enough? Why well, can't this be enough? Gavin Newsom could commute their sentence. Okay, so to why second can't... degree, and like I said, they have served. I feel they've served okay. enough time for twenty five. Second degree is like twenty five to life. Okay, so I feel like they've they've served more than twenty five years, and 
They've been exemplary prisoners. Yeah. So why so, can't this, why can't um, the documentary filmmakers or why can't his uh, lawyer, why can't they appeal to Gavin and just say, hey, Gavin, 20 minutes of your time. Yeah, watch this documentary. Watch a little bit of this documentary. Read this guy's statement. Here's yeah. our spiel. Here's everything well, maybe together. They will. Maybe there the, you go, Gavin. They, what do you think? Maybe they will apply really for do, clemency. Do, I mean, do, does does the state really need to be paying for these two people to be in prison anymore? Really? I mean, it's ridiculous. It it's is. absolutely ridiculous. This so. is, yeah. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I hope this documentary does do something. And I, don't, I, hope, I, don't, and I hope they I find the Steve's guy and... And I hope I hope we do get some justice for Roy and all the other boys yeah. that this guy. I don't is. see how you can watch this documentary and not just be incensed. Yes, <clears throat> at the whole thing and just unbelievable. And I don't know, you know, you watch these things and you think, well, it's not still that bad, is it? I mean, you know, are things like this, you know? still happening of course yes the answer is yes but are they happening to this extent and again yeah that's why you don't let you don't let your kids out of your sight and this is why if your kid becomes famous you you need to quit your job and become their manager and go everywhere with them anyone who says i'm going to take your kid on a world tour but you can't come yes you know and you turn turn them over to some person i mean i hope people are not still doing that I mean, you yeah, know. no, it's a yes. No, it's a problem. You it know, is. it is. I mean, Justin well, Bieber's mom, you know, she, she doesn't leave. <laughs> she does not leave his. Well, I mean, he's he's a man now. But I, yeah, when he was, you know, first when he was 12 or 13 and mm-hmm. he first became famous, she she went everywhere with him, didn't let him out of her sight. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't want to get too political here, but this is part of the problem is we're we're focusing on the wrong we're focusing on the wrong people we're focusing on drag queens right we're focusing on drag queens and banning books and and, transgender people and transgender people and people that we do not need to be worried about and we're you know we're getting upset because we want people to fill out some paperwork to own a a rife a gun you know like it's just a machine gun a machine gun where that i mean again what was it someone eight people just died yesterday i mean oh yeah and then there was something else today uh, that was unreal motivated by uh it's unreal racism it's just it's it's just ridiculous i mean it this is the thing is is that again everybody looks nice anybody can say nice things you know you Mm -hmm. predators are everywhere predators are they are usually the most charming mm-hmm. and manipulative that's how they get that's how they get that's it. how they lure people gross, if gross. you're scary no one's going to want to yeah. come near you so that's yeah. not going to work the, the scary people are the ones that are lurking in the corner though they are and you know what scary people they're the ones in prison <laughs> like mm-hmm. they're the ones that get caught right, right away because they they're sloppy yeah they're very, very sloppy and they're gross and people report them right away yeah the slick ones the ones that look good the ones that say all the right things the ones that have power the ones that have money and control they are the ones to be very very frightened of so just i don't know i mean and that's the thing right is it it, are you ruining your child's life by never letting them have a sleepover i don't know i mean no could i have you're not you're not i have lived my sleepovers are overrated yeah i was gonna say could i it's like could i live my whole life without sleepovers yeah Yeah. probably you know i mean in comparison to what could happen and how that would affect the rest of your life yeah yeah 
Yeah, I think it's worth I, it. I, I also think that could your could your kid be there till like eleven p.m. and then leave and have still have all the same yeah. fun? Yeah. Why do you need Absolutely. to Why do you need to sleep there and risk, you know, being uh, molested by it? even your friends mm-hmm. or their older siblings or, you know, their father or mm-hmm. some rando that comes over. I mean, yeah. yeah. No, go home and go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> sleep over. You sleep better anyway stupid. in your own bed. Exactly. So. But yeah, that's what that's. Ugh what we've come to all right well we got a lot of fights to fight we got the menendez we got to get these menendez brothers out that's number one we got to help ray poor ray and this roy. is the other, the, roy sorry and this is the other thing too is i'm glad that they're fighting to get all of these statue of limita- limitations, limitations yeah. because this is the other part too is you know look how long it took ray ray roy sorry roy look how long it took roy yeah it took roy 20 40 no 30 years but more than 30 years how long it was 10 years of drug use 10 10 or 20 years of drug use and 10 to 20 years of i'm going to throw myself in front of this bus i mean it is decades of anger and 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 shame and all of that it just takes years and years and years of of it to just get it out and then at what is he 52 years to tell a, that woman mm-hmm. who specializes in this mm-hmm. what really happened mm-hmm. and i am constantly amazed by clients who i feel like i know really well who then reveal something to me like i felt such shame telling you this and then because they're they're wondering what i'm thinking of them mm. you know and you're, you're thinking like why god's name would you think i would judge you for this yeah. but it really sh- takes a people lot. so people feel such shame just telling you oh i didn't do the homework i get you gave me or i i forgot to do this or i forgot to do that so god forbid telling you this shameful awful thing happened to them when they were a child mm-hmm. like people you know yeah. anyway all right oh, I'm god i'm gonna uh, i'm so i don't want to talk about this anymore uh, <laughs> so yeah yes I, Anyway, your children. I'm sorry. I know this was an upsetting, but it's very important. This is an important thing. We need to fight. We need to help Roy and we need to help Menendez brothers. We need to be more. We need to pay more attention to um, predators. We need to take better care of our children. Just be just pay attention. Be alert, you know, and say something. Don't think that it can't happen to your kid or whatever. So anyway, thank you for hanging in there. If you're still with us, my God. Um, if you enjoy our podcast, <laughs> don't judge us. Don't judge it by this one alone. This episode, we gotta alone. find. We gotta find something peppy next week. Yeah, peppy. we gotta find something real happy. But um, if it's a problem is they don't really make feel good documentaries. <laughs> you know, yeah. All, all these documentaries are they're always so sad, but important. I mean, it's important to yes. This is very no. This is but, very very important. So anyway, please subscribe if you like our podcast and give us a five-star rating and review and we're on social media instagram tiktok at psych legal pop and uh we'll see you later all right all right bye hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com